Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey there, friend. Hope you're having a great day. Welcome back to another episode of the W-2 prison break show. I know I say it every week. I'm super grateful for your ear. Okay. And I know you have a lot of choices of things that you could be doing right now, different shows that you could be listening to. And I'm just super appreciative that you've made the decision to listen to today's episode. And it really drives me to continue to bring on awesome guests that can bring value and add value and help you with what you're struggling with. You're trying to quit your job. It's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it doesn't even seem feasible. And I brought on a guest today. We're going to talk about dreams today. We're going to talk about dreams and we're going to talk about vision. And this gentleman, Dan Rouse, has helped me tremendously over the last couple of years with the vision for my business and has challenged me and asked me the difficult questions about my dreams. And then he's going to help us chart out courses today to get to your dream. If your dream is to quit your job, we're going to talk about actionable steps to get there. Okay. So I want you to listen with intent because this is an expert guest in this environment of dreaming and planning and the vision of your life. He's helped me out tremendously. And the one favor I will ask of you is that if you found this episode to be helpful, I just want you to share it with somebody. Share it with somebody who's struggling with a dream, struggling with a goal, struggling with a vision, whatever it is. Do me that favor and share it with them. Okay. Without any further delay, let's get straight to the episode and Dan Ralphs. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful that you took the time today to speak with us. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah. And we just saw each other last week. We were at a super awesome event in Rhode Island. And before we get into the topics today, which are going to be super awesome, I just wanted to say something to you. And I've never said this to you before. And there's no better time than the present, but. Well, you're saving it for right now. I'm saving it for right now. Moment. I'm saving it for right now on the show because you and I have worked together quite a bit. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? There's people in your life that just have a very profound impact on you, like people that you'll never forget, people who will ask you the difficult questions, people who will kind of really put you out of your comfort zone and get you to the point where you're moving towards growth. And Dan, you're one of those people for me. I wow. just want to say thank wow. you. I've never thank said you. that to you before. And I just want thank to you. say That's thank you. That's huge. I thought you were going to say at the end of that, and you were almost one of those people, but you've been forgettable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was all going to be a setup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, thank you. That means a lot. I had somebody tell me one time that this kind of work, which is the kind of work that you're in, which is how do we help people accomplish their dreams? I think Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything you want if you help enough people get what they want. And I love that idea. And honestly, it's such a rewarding game to be in. And I just feel really lucky that I get to be in that game. I don't know how it happened. It kind of happened by accident to me, I think. But 
I feel really grateful. So thanks for saying that. You got it. And thank you again. And that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about was you have the best job title I think I've ever had, <laughs> right? How does you're a dream manager and how does one become a dream manager and what exactly is that? It's been probably 10 years ago that I got invited to be what was called the dream manager for a small company out of Chandler, Arizona called Infusionsoft. It's now mm-hmm. called Keep. And the CEO kind of came to me and said, hey, Dan, we want you to help our employees identify, articulate, and accomplish their personal dreams. So they had a core value that was, we believe in people and their dreams. And it didn't make sense to turn to their entrepreneurial employees and say, we believe in you, and then turn to their actual employees and say, hey, sit down, shut up, and do what we tell you to. So they had this whole program that was designed to help their employees to dream bigger and then go about the process of accomplishing those dreams. And my job was to facilitate that program. And as a result of that, I had a chance to, for years, to ask people, what's the dream? And to help them make that dream come true. And we were able to accomplish dreams from, I mean, everything from really small things, like I've always wanted to buy an Xbox, to really big things that were like, I want to adopt a child or buy a home or start a business. And so it was everything you could imagine. And it was just a fantastic position to be in. And so from that point, ever since, I've kind of been in this dream space of like, how do we help people accomplish and really articulate and make real change in their life when it comes to pursuing dreams? It's such a super awesome thing to think about because it's my belief either, and you'll have some insight on this, I know, either we're not dreaming enough as human beings or we're maybe keeping the dream a secret, like we're keeping it to ourselves. Yeah, no, for sure. The truth is there are different types of human beings that we all come kind of half-baked when it comes to dreaming because there are really two parts of dreaming. Part one is the imagination part. It's the part where we can see this vision of the future and we can kind of romanticize and fall in love with the future events. We can say, oh man, I can picture a world in which I'm on the top of the Eiffel Tower and I have a piece of paper and I write the meaning of life and I throw it in a paper airplane and lands on the lap of an old man. And like we can see that whole vision of the future. So there's part of us that are in that category. The other half of dreaming is execution. Like, all right, day-to-day grindy, get-to-work execution. And even though you know there's this huge spectrum from one end to the other, and so some of us dream a lot, but execute very little. And some of us are very good at execution, but kind of lack imagination in what we want to go chase down. And it's those who are able to find the balance between the two, which allows us to both imagine and to get to work that are able to actually make change in our life. And so depending on who you are, you might be dreaming a little too much and others might not be dreaming enough. And so, yeah. And when I say dreaming too much, it's not that they have too many dreams. It's that they spend too much time in the dreaming side of things and not enough time on the execution side of things. And they know who they are. If they're listening right now, they know who they are, who are really good at having great goals and aspirations, but very poor on the execution or follow through. Yeah. I definitely know who I am. And you Yeah, which me. side are you on? Are you more execution or more imagination? I am more imagination. And I've learned that through you. For those who are not watching on YouTube, I mean, the three-year vision that you helped me with for my real estate business earlier this year is on my wall. Yeah. And yeah, is that it right behind you? That's, uh, that's cool. it right behind me. I look at it every day and it essentially says like, you know, I'm the visionary looking for my implementer. Yeah. Uh, that was what I got out of that. You helped me with that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the truth is that, again, like as we mature, we should become more centered. Mm -hmm. As we grow older, we should become more centered. Like if we're kind of visionary, we kind of learn some skills. I mean, here we are doing your thing, chasing the dream, but we'll all come a little half-baked. And so depending on where you're at, you might need a little bit more, spend a little bit more time imagining or a little bit more time just grinding it out, depending on who you are. I once heard you talk about when you became the dream manager at Infusionsoft, which I built, which is now Keep, you used to go around to the employees and literally ask them, yeah. like, hey, what's your dream? And then for the most part, most people knew their dream, right? Or some variation yeah. of it. Most people didn't know. Most people knew, right? Yeah. Let me just define dream really quickly, and then I'll answer your question. So yeah. a dream is simply something. So we all have this kind of biological tendency to live rather boring or humdrum lives. We're like the deer on a path that if we wander down to water, we get water, we successfully get water, we wander back home and we don't die, we're going to follow that same path again and again and again and again. That's what happens in our brains, that we literally create these paths in our brains. And so we are creatures of habit or creatures of, and we optimize for survival. And just like the deer, if we don't die, we stay on the same path over and over again until eventually a little path or a rut is created and we want to stay there. So dreaming is simply identifying things that are desirable that we would want that aren't on our current path. It's articulating desirable things that aren't on our current path that we want. And so we all have something like that. We all have a car that we want. We all have a, like as human beings, we naturally, so naturally have this tendency to say, hey, I want something more. And so everyone has a little bit in that category, but some people have a hard time even articulating. I've met plenty of people that when I say, what's the dream for you? And they kind of go, well, I don't know. And that can happen for one of two reasons. Either that dreaming DNA in them has gone dormant, become calloused over time. Like There's no way I could possibly have the things that I'm really dreaming of. And so it just becomes callous over time. And then the other type is I'm just really good at execution. My imagination is just really small. And so I have a hard time imagining something bigger. Okay, awesome. So step one seems to be fairly common. Most people know their dream. So where do people get yeah. stuck? And you know, I have this dream. Like, what's the biggest roadblock? Yeah. So it's a great question. The most common thing that happens is we have dreams that ping our brains all the time. Just scroll through social media, you'll see and have this little ping of envy show up where you're like, uh, and you'll compare yourself and you'll feel a little less than, and you'll feel a little bothered. And this is why social media is so anxiety inducing. And so where do people get stuck? Well, the first thing is that they dismiss dream possibilities. So if a dream is simply a possibility, they dismiss possibilities without consideration. So they dismiss possibilities without consideration. So think about this. If I said today, if I were to ask our imaginary audience here, like how many of you would want to go to Fiji next week by raise of hands? Like there'd be very few that would say, if everything worked out, my job were on hold, I got a plane ticket in the mail, it said, hey, go to Fiji. Like there are very few of us that wouldn't take that offer. Mm -hmm. And yet the possibility, and is it possible for us to go to Fiji next week? 100%. Sure, sure. But we dismiss that idea without even really considering it, without even really giving it a real consideration where we go, well, should we go to Fiji next week? Let's look at plane tickets. How much would plane tickets cost in Fiji? And what would be the actual possibility of that happening? And we actually start to build out the plan that would make that reality. And then we make a legitimate decision about whether or not we could actually make that happen. 
And so far too often, we just dismiss the idea without consideration. I'll give you a specific example from my own life. So when I started my business and I graduated as a dream manager, I left that company and I started consulting small companies across the country and helping individuals accomplish dreams. So I started my own little consulting firm. Well, literally the day after I started my consulting firm, my wife came to me and she said, hey, Dan, you know how you don't have to go to a job anymore? You know that? You know how you're not tied to a desk anymore? Isn't that exciting? We should go on a tour of the country. We should just uproot, we'll homeschool the kids, and we're just going to cruise around the country. I've always wanted to do it. Now's our chance. Well, immediately, even in the dream manager's brain, my thought was, you can't go on a long trip right after you start a business. This is like the time where there's less money rather than more. And I immediately dismissed the idea. Well, luckily my wife was like, hey, aren't you the dream guy? This is my dream. And that's like, I'm stuck at that point. And so we started actually considering it. And we found out that we could rent homes across the country for about what we were paying in rent and utilities in our current home. So there wouldn't be an additional expense. We found out that we could fly most of the family across the country for for like $200. It was like Mm -hmm. super cheap flights. Anyway, we just found all these little details when we actually went to consider it. It was totally possible and we did it, right? Nine months later, we pulled back into our driveway. And so too often, we just dismiss the possibility really out of fear, which was my initial response to that. I don't think we could afford it. And all these fear tracks start running but we dismiss that possibility without even really considering it. So that's probably the primary reason is that we never even give it a chance to be real. Yeah. That makes sense. And what you just described, and I've heard you tell that story before, making it happen sounded so simple. It didn't really sound all that challenging. I'm sure that you had some moments and roadblocks along the way. That's the funny thing. You know, I would always say dreams in the mirror are closer than they appear. It's like, we actually are far closer to the dream that our brain tends to exaggerate the challenge, exaggerate the danger, exaggerate the risk. And so when we actually go pick it up, it's easier and faster and less scary than we maybe thought it would be. It's not always true, but it's often true that dreams are a little closer than they would appear. Hey there, back to the episode in just a moment. Are you a homeowner in the Chicagoland area who's struggling to sell your home or even own nothing and looking to maximize your price before the market slides? Are you tired of the traditional home selling process that takes months and costs you thousands in fees and repairs? Whether you're facing foreclosure, going through a divorce, or simply need to sell your home fast, WeBuyHousesChicago.org can help. We've been buying homes in Chicago since 2019 and we specialize in helping sellers who are stuck. Unlike traditional real estate buyers, we buy homes as is and can close in as little as seven days. No repairs, no inspections, and no fees. Just a fast, hassle-free sale. Let WeBuyHousesChicago.org help you sell your home and move on to the next phase of your life. Call or text us today at 312-500-6121. If you know someone who is struggling to sell their home or simply just wants top price, please share this message with them. As a listener of the W2 Prison Break Show, WeBuyHouseOfChicago.org will pay you for your referral. If you send us a referral and we buy their house, we will pay you a $1,000 referral fee. Simply have your referral mention the W2 Prison Break Show. Let's get back to the show. 
any other fears besides that you see in your experience, your vast experience, other than the money fear is a block for pretty much everyone, I think, especially when you're talking about leaving your job. Yeah. yeah. So this is an interesting part because inevitably I'll say, so what's the roadblock? What walls do we have to jump over in order to get going on our dreams? Mm-hmm. And the truth is it's never resources. It's never resources. If our dream requires more resources, what's the first step on the path to accomplishing our dream? Going and getting more resources, right? It's like, okay, that may be one of the steps on the path to accomplishing the dream, but it's not the roadblock. It's like the beginning. Okay, great. Yeah, I want to buy this car. Okay, you need more money. All right, now let's begin the process of pursuing that dream and the way we pursue the begin the process. So it's never that. The really only roadblock, I forget what, who was it that said it? Was it FDR that said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself? It really is just we're scared. We're the deer on the path and we're afraid that if we leave the path, we'll die. And it's this visceral mammalian brain kind of moment. And we say, no, stay put. Because if we chase that dream, we're going to die. And we don't want to die. And so it really is as simple as that. It's avoiding pain and avoiding discomfort. And we like kind of our current condition and we optimize for survival. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you clarified that. So it's what stops us is us, right? And I love the path thing. You told this super awesome story last week, and I was hoping you could share it because I really do think everyone needs to hear it about the people bungee jumping. Like they're on the, ah, they're, yeah, they're on yeah. the bridge, they're about to jump. And this kind of ties into what you were just talking about. Like when it comes time to jump, most people are afraid. Eesh. Yeah. So the truth is this came back because I had this very visceral experience when I was like 18 years old. And I remember I'm actually a pretty risk averse guy, which is interesting. Like I don't love risk. I'm a homebody. I like staying home, but I got invited when I was like 18 years old to go cliff jumping. If any of you have ever done this before, it is a moment you'll never forget because it puts like your full adrenaline on high alert. And so sure enough, my buddy's like, oh yeah, it's not even that high. Just come follow me. And we get up to the top of the cliff And there we are, a group of guys and girls. And I'm like trying to be all tough and all the 18-year-old bravado, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we get to the edge. And it's like, whoa, that's actually pretty high. And there is a moment in our dreaming lives when you're going to come to the edge and there's going to be this feeling of like, whoa, wait a second. You're going to feel it just like you would be on a cliff jump. Now, one of the things that's cool is we were all together in this group. And of course, we gather together. And the first question we ask is, all right who's first. And right. And I'm like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Right. And somebody volunteers from the group. And so finally we're like, Oh, that's much better. And they go and they jump off the cliff and they hit the water. But now what's really interesting is every time they come out of the water, I actually had one guy, I didn't tell this part. I had one guy who said, what I like to do is when I hit the water, I hold my breath and I just let myself sink to the bottom and wait there as long as I can. So that everyone on top's like, I don't think he made it. I think he's done, right. I think he's a goner. And then he pops to the top, right? And ah. so at the end of the day, right, that person comes out celebrating. And oftentimes when we're sitting in our dreaming seat and we're looking around and we see people like you, Brian, you're a great example of this, where it's like, Brian's like, I left my W-2. I started this new thing. It is awesome. And they come out of the water and they're just cheering. But for whatever reason, that doesn't necessarily take away the fear. Even though we know now it's safe, it's still really scary. It doesn't take away the fear. I'm still like trying to like find my way at the back of the line. But one by one, people would jump one by one. And it was awesome because there was a group of people that were all kind of cheering each other on. There was one girl at the back of the line that was like in tears because she was so afraid. And finally, my turn came. And 
What's interesting is all of your instinct is stay put, don't jump. And then they count down. <laughs> They're like, all right, one, two, three, jump was the rhythm we created. Yeah. And that one, two, three is a really important thing, phenomena, because that cues you, okay, now it's time. And you make the leap and it's exhilarating and the water feels great when you get there and you feel all this new sense of pride and being alive that you hadn't felt up to that point. All the fear instantly transforms as soon as you hit the water into this kind of really cool exhilaration, right? Yeah. One, two, and three. And so all one, two, of us, and I saw that over and over again, when people would get to the very edge of the dream where it's like, okay, today's the day we're going to pull the trigger. Every time there's this little jolt of like, oh boy, oh boy, this is real now. And that's just the deer on the path saying, don't leave the path. And it's very natural. It's very normal. But as soon as you hit the water, it's like, oh, this is actually really great. Right. It's never as bad as we make it out to be, is it? It never seems to be. No. Thanks for sharing, Dan. And I forgot that it was cliff jumping, not bungee jumping. So my, I'm sure my, bungee jumping was the same. I'm sure I, like, the same. I still have very little affinity for heights. Like I'm not sure I'd like to try bungee jumping, but I'm sure the sensation, like bungee jumping just gives you that sensation over and over again, right? Where it's like, whoa, oh no, we're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm okay. I'm right yeah. back and forth. Maybe you could give, I know you can't, you have several, maybe you can give an example or two of someone that you worked with they have this dream, like whatever it is. I mean, you mentioned the, the guy that wanted an yeah. Xbox or something and then getting to the point where they actually got the thing or they yeah. lived their dream and kind of the steps that they went through. Because I think, again, there's a lot of dreamers out there, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. I'll walk you through just a simple kind of step-by-step, -step, right? Like initially we identify the dream and articulate it. Mm -hmm. Step one. So what's the dream really in all the details? So I would have people that come to me and say, oh, my dream is to go to a football game. And they'd be like, all right, which one? Or people would say, my dream is to start a business. Like, that's actually not your dream. I know it's not because we can go start a business tomorrow. It's a business license. We just fill out the form and you've started a business. That's not what you mean, right? What's the real dream? Like, what's the fulfillment or actualization? What's the finish line where you'd say, man, I made it? And we want to articulate that dream. So that's step one. And honestly, most of us don't even do that. Like you said that we work together on a vision for your business. That's the articulation of a dream is essentially what it is. It's hanging right behind you. And I love that you have it on your wall because yeah. it's the articulation of a dream. And so step one is really that articulation. And so I still remember that guy who was like, I want to go to this football game. And I was like, which one? An SEC football game. Which one? Well, Alabama, Georgia. Okay. Now we're talking which year, this year, next year, this year. Great. All right. Who would go with you? Would you do tailgating? Like, let's really like understand and get clear about what the actual dream is mm. so that we can now begin to plan around it. So step two then is to put together a plan. Like what would it take in order for us to go accomplish that dream? What's the price tag on that dream? Now, sometimes you'll articulate a dream and then you'll look at the price tag and you'll go, eh, maybe this isn't really worth that. Maybe right. this really isn't worth that. And so we kind of go shopping for dreams, right? Just like we would at a store, we find a shirt we really like. And we go, eh, this really isn't worth that. And that's fine. And then you trade it in, you keep shopping until you find a dream that really excites you. But we need to understand what the price tag would be. What would it take to accomplish this dream? And then once we've agreed that the price tag is worth the dream, right? That the reward is worth the effort. Then we swipe our credit card, which I call de declaration, where we get to declare that dream to ourselves and to the world. So we get to say, hey, this is a dream. I'm committed to it. 
I want to let everyone know that I'm going to go chase this dream down. And that's when it transitions from really being a dream to a goal where it's like, all right, we got to go get to work on this. And in that moment, now that we're chasing a dream, now that we're chasing a goal, now we need a plan. That plan needs steps. And we have to have a very specific approach to that plan. And then as long as we keep saying, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? And we keep marching towards it. Eventually that dream is going to come closer and closer until ideally or hopefully it becomes reality. Now, not all dreams are guaranteed when Mm -hmm. we start at the beginning of the path, right? I have a buddy whose dream is to be on a sitcom and make $40,000 an episode. And I'm like, there's no guarantees in Hollywood as far as I know. But he's marching towards it. And still to this day, still marching towards it, marching towards it. What's next? What's next? What's next? And he is dramatically closer to that dream than he's ever been as a result of his efforts. Amazing. And you bring up a good point. I'm several that I want to kind of maybe pick apart a little bit more. Number one is small steps and marching towards it. So it's little by little. And I think that and me personally, too, I've done this in the past. I'll, I'll have this dream or I'll have this goal. Like I want to accomplish this thing, right? That seems so massive that, again, you said I dismissed the possibility without consideration, like this 100-foot yeah. redwood tree that I have to jump yeah. off a 100-story building to tackle, and I just dismiss it. I quit before I even start. And you had just mentioned, and I think a lot of people maybe fall into that that trap, if you will, yeah. but you said the small steps and the marching towards it. I mean, maybe elaborate further on that because I don't think people get that, Dan. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you live in a society where most of our view of the world comes in montages. You know that montage in the movie where Rocky becomes really strong when he's out of shape and it takes like four minutes of really inspirational music. And then all of a sudden he's ready to like be a world champion. Like the truth of the matter, and this is the ugly side of dreaming is usually it's like days and days of just normal, monotonous work. Most dreams, that's what it feels like. Now, there are some dreams that are really fun and exhilarating, and they have a very short fuse, meaning it takes very little effort, and they have a very short shelf life. So for example, the dream of like, I want to travel to Europe. Like my family's going to go to Europe this fall, And it's like very short fuse, doesn't take too long to save up for that and get that ready and then put that in the hopper, but also has a very short shelf life, meaning those memories fade and then it's going to be on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. But most big dreams, like I want to change my life. I want to change my situation. Those dreams have a long fuse, meaning a lot of waiting, a lot of effort, a lot of consistency, but they also have a longer shelf life, meaning if I start a business and I launch a business and I work to achieve the success of that business, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, but now I get that business for the rest of my life. Or if I want to own a home, for example, it takes me a lot of effort to build up that down payment or whatever, but I get a long shelf life with that dream. And so we montage too often where we think, oh man, I want this dream. And then we just quit too easily when really it's just day-to-day consistent monotony moving through. And now if somebody's listening, like if you're like me, you're going to be asking the question, well, it was like one day I asked my mom, Brian, I said, Hey mom, how do you get better at something? And she was like, well, you set a goal and you work hard over time and you practice and you get better. And I said, what if you're not good at setting goals and practicing and working hard? (laughs) Like, how do you get better at that? And that's where, you know, there are a lot of different ways, but I'll just suggest one way. One, that's why the declaration is so important. 
So number one, it's like, all right, I'm creating social accountability around this dream. I'm going to quit my job on this day. Mm -hmm. Creates the social accountability. I'm going to lose this much weight by this day. Social accountability. I was on a mastermind call and I told my entire mastermind, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Why would I do that? Well, because all of a sudden now I'm a little bit more motivated. I'm a little bit more bound to that dream. The second thing we do if we're not good at the consistent effort part is we have to begin to build habit and we practice the skill of building habit. And we start with small, simple things. And then we work our way up simply like similar. If I went to the gym for the first day and I was doing curls, I would start with lower weight and then I would work my way up to heavier and heavier weights. Right. Yeah. And so dreams take time and it takes maybe a while to cook. And so we have to be willing to be patient and we begin to one, we commit ourselves. And then two, we start with small habits first until we work our way up to bigger ones. Yeah. The montage thing was great. Rocky always gets ripped six packs, uh, six pack abs. Yeah. Four minutes. Like so. an afternoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not I, how it works, right, Brian? Like it's a grind to be a dream pursuer. It's hard. It's definitely hard. And as I had said to the group last week, you got to have a reason not to quit. You got to have a strong reason not to quit. That's your dream, right? Yeah. So yep, exactly. this begs to ask the question because there's a lot of people listening who want to quit their job. Do you think that that's a dream or is that something else? Quitting the job probably isn't the dream mm-hmm. because otherwise we could do it tomorrow. You just walk in and say, I quit. It's very easy. Yeah. It's the landing and where we would land and what that landing would look like that is really the dream. It's that moment where it's like, yeah, I get to wake up in the morning and I get to take my kids to school and I'm there when they get home. That's closer to the dream. Just quitting the job is not, I mean, maybe there's like, you have like this fancy way you want to quit where you like, you know, burn down the bridges as you go. I don't know. But really, really the dream has much more to do with a new lifestyle and new amount of freedom that you're able to enjoy as a result of you leaving the W-2. And I would want to get really, really clear on what that looked like and felt like. And the clearer and more powerful that becomes for you, the more commitment you can generate, the more motivation you can generate in pursuit of it. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you shared that. I think that it saddens me because I talk to a lot of people when we talk about dreams and goals and then plans, they don't have them. They don't have them. They don't spend the time on their life plan or their life vision, as I like to call it. And I know you're big on vision, but we do this for everything else. We plan everything in our life, but we won't take the time to plan the most important thing which is our dreams and our life vision. Why do you think, again, you mentioned the fear thing. I think it can be a little scary. I think it can be a little scary because now we're asking some really deep questions, which is questions like, am I worth it? And who am I to deserve this when my parents didn't have that? Or am I being greedy? Am I being selfish? Like, There's a huge load of storyline that can pop up when we start to legitimately create an intentional life for ourselves. And by the way, most of it is fueled by that same part of our brain that says, hey, don't die. And we go, oh, well, okay, I don't want to die. So that means I better be like, think the same thoughts that I've always thought, be the same person I've always been. I've always been the timid, shy one. So I'm going to continue to be timid and shy. I'm not a risk taker and therefore I'm not the risk taking type. And so we begin to define ourselves, and that is just our way of putting up walls to protect ourselves from potential injury, wounds, or hurt. And this is deep stuff, by the way. Like As a dream manager, you bump into some pretty deep wounds because the deeper the wound, sometimes the more 
committed I am to never feeling that pain again. And so I hang on to my anchor even tighter. Like I get hurt and then I go, all right, I'm never playing soccer again. I got hurt in a soccer game. I broke my leg. It's like, I will never play soccer again. And therefore I'm going to sit on this bench and I'm going to hold onto this bench. And no matter how much you try to put me in the game, there's no way I'm going in the game again. And that's real. That's a real thing. And so for me, where do we start? If you know that you're like, that's probably true of me. It's probably true that I'm afraid to believe. I'm afraid to trust. I'm afraid to hope. Well, start small, start small, identify some dream that would just be outside of your reach, but not too far. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like, you know what? There's this restaurant in town. I had a friend of mine who just shared this with me. He's like, forever, I've wanted to take my dad to a fancy restaurant because we grew up poor and I had a little extra money and I took my dad to a fancy restaurant. And it's like, awesome. That's an awesome little dream. And as you begin to take on these smaller dreams, inevitably the bigger ones start to surface and you start to have a little bit more belief and a little bit more self-confidence and a little bit more capacity for yourself. And the fear starts to fade a little. And so even if there's a series of smaller dreams that eventually will lead to bigger ones, that's a great place to start. Mm, So awesome. I love what you said about the soccer thing too, because even if you love soccer, which you do, you love soccer, you still won't do it. You don't want to get hurt. I'm going to hang on, right? You just do. As you talk about these things with people, you find out, like I remember chatting with a woman who, I mean, she'd recently been through an abusive relationship ending in divorce. And she's like, Dan, what can my dream possibly be? And I'm like, maybe dream right now. It's okay if your dream right now is like, feel normal. Like there can be periods of our lives where it's not quite time to dream. It's like time just to settle and that's okay. I mean, I wouldn't want to stay there, but sometimes the dream is like, I just want to have a day where I don't feel scared Mm. or I just want to have a day where I don't feel hurt or wounded. Now I wouldn't hang out there too long because again, that's where we start to, as soon as we start settling in, that's a good sign. It's time for us to move again. And it's time for us to dream again. Now, I want to honor the fact that there are some hard things, but most of us aren't suffering from that. That's very rare. Most of us are just bored. Most of us are just settled. Most of us have just been doing the same old thing again and again, and it's time, definite time for disruption. And that's where dreaming becomes such a powerful tool. 100%. The lesson that you just gave to all of us, I think, I hope everyone heard it, was that dreams come in all shapes and sizes. It doesn't have to be this massive thing, right? It's yours, protect it, and... Don't be ashamed of it, right? It's your dream. Yeah. And I remember there's this girl in our at Infusionsoft. We call her the dream slayer. And when she was eight years old, she'd been in an accident. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Uh-huh. So she was in this wheelchair. And she just had this long list of dreams and she just kept checking them off. And I bump into her, how many so far? 25. Wow. A few months later, how many so far? 38. My favorite of her dreams was she was able to, her father was an immigrant, came to the United States, and she bought him a Camaro for -hmm. Christmas. And she had it all videoed, right? And he gets this little keychain out. His Camaro is his favorite car. And he's like, thank you so much for this keychain of a Camaro. She's like, dad, it's not the keychain. It's the key. And they walk out in the driveway and you So it's like, it can be a lot of small things. And I know sometimes we talk about dreams and we talk about the dream, like capital T, capital D. And it's like, no, it can be something small. And that's where we just start to loosen the cartilage in the shoulder, right? We start throwing again. We start getting back into life. And those small dreams can do a lot to help us build our confidence and help us believe that we're capable of more. Beautiful. I love it. 
Last week, you we were talking, I think, on one of the breaks, and you came up with this term. I think you remember what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, you Rip really... cord protocol. All there right. So, so for those awesome. of you who are in W-2s, I've done a lot of W-2 escapes in my dreaming days. And I didn't have a name for it until last week. And I dubbed my process. My process is dubbed Ripcord Protocol. So Ripcord Protocol is when you have a dream to leave your W-2. And by the way, I share this with you because I did this. This is how I left my W-2 is I created what I will now call my Ripcord Protocol. And so Ripcord Protocol, when's it time to pull the Ripcord and the parachute sets off and I'm in a different path. And basically here's the Ripcord Protocol process. Step one. You're going to make an exhaustive list of all of the criteria that would need to be met in order for you to turn in on the day that all the criteria are met, you would turn in your resignation. And it's going to be this long list of things. It's going to be a list like, how do we do healthcare? I need this much savings. I need this many months runway. I need another source of income. I need this passive income. Like whatever it is, make an exhaustive list. Now, some people, when they make their exhaustive list, it's quasi-ridiculous. Like, I want to leave my job and have zero risk. I want to have a million dollars in the bank and I want to have 10 other job offers. So be like fair with yourself. Okay. Like, understand that there's going to be some risk. And the longer the runway, the longer the list, the longer it's going to take you to get out. So make a reasonable list, sit down with your spouse, make that list, and you make those lists for core protocol. Then hang that list above your computer or wherever you work, maybe not at work, but your mirror at home. And basically, that's your list of goals. Those are your assignments. If one of them says, figure out healthcare, well, tomorrow I call up an insurance agent. And by the way, it's super easy. You just call up an insurance agent and say, hey, I need to figure out how much it would cost to get my family insured. And this is what criteria we need. And you check that box. All right, I know what that's going to take. And you write a little criteria there. And then you work through your list. And you just start attacking the list one at a time. And the reason this is important is too many people are staying in their W-2 for an extra three, six months, a year after they're totally qualified to leave it. And so I had a buddy who recommended the ripcord protocol. And as soon as that last box is checked, I pull the ripcord and I'm out. And by the way, do you want to know, Brian, how I motivate myself whenever I have a rough entrepreneurial day? Yes, I do. All I do is I go to the want ads. I go to Indeed. I pull up jobs I would qualify for and I start reading job descriptions. Description, yeah. I read the job description and in about two job descriptions, I go, I could never go back to that. I could never go back to that. I love my freedom way too much. And so <laughs> that's how I motivate myself to stay in that entrepreneurial journey because it's so much better. Like, come in, the water is warm. It is so nice. I want to be the person who's made the jump and you feel the same way. You get in the water and you pop out of the water. You're like, you guys, it is so great. Take the leap with us. Yeah. And I get it's not perfect and I get it doesn't work out 100% of the time, but. It is far less scary than you think it is. And it's been far easier than I even thought it would be. Totally. Couldn't agree more. I'm wondering now, I'm envisioning like this something, maybe like a device or like a pinata with confetti in it or something that has a ripcord on it when you actually pull it and it, you know, just there it is, right? It's just Power raining you, yeah. on you, like the balloons are kind of, <laughs> kind of, yeah, you won the Super Bowl type of stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, let's do like ripcord where there's confetti. Yeah, I see it too. That'd be brilliant. Maybe we should start marketing this. We can sell them on Amazon. Ripcord <laughs> protocol. Awesome. Great stuff, Dan. I think that's a great way to wrap up and leave people with their ripcord protocol who want to leave their W-2. It's not as difficult as we make it out. Dan, before we wrap up, 
Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to share? Yeah. Any, any final thoughts? I, I don't know. I just want to just encourage you to, to put on your courage. Like we only get one life really, and we only get one kind of shot at this. And the thing that for, there was a little period of time where I was studying end of life confessions, like end of life conversations mm-hmm. where people who are dying. And I was like, really curious about what they said and guess what they didn't say. I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have gotten that promotion. They never say that. We overemphasize these worlds we create in these corporate worlds we're a part of. They're not as important as they seem. They're important. Don't get me wrong. I love a good job. I think it's great to have a worthwhile profession, but not at the expense of family, not at the expense of living life, not at the expense of having a life that you feel like was meaningful. I just want to encourage you to like put on your courage and to make a list and to get on the plan. Because guess what? Even if it takes you five years or 10 years, if you start now and you're working at it, 10 years from now, you're going to be 10 years older, no matter what. In one scenario, you're going to be free of that W-2 and in another scenario, you're not. Even if it takes a long time, let's get to work, start today. Because again, the things that matter most often are the things we spend the most time on. We want to turn that around and start spending time, our most of our time on the things that matter most. Beautiful. That's a great way to end it, Dan. Thank you for continuing to serve me. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for all the work you do to make dreams come true, man. I feel like you're a brother in arms and uh, love the work that you're doing. Love this podcast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Everyone, make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.